Morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Tristan. Keep your Bible open there. Um, Luke chapter 10. We're going to spend a bit of time thinking it through. Uh, I'll pray before we start. Father God, thank you that your word um, teaches us uh, teaches us what it looks like for us to follow Jesus. Um, Father, please this morning help us to see and feel and understand uh, Jesus' heart and his love for us and for the world. Amen. This bit of Luke's gospel makes me wonder if you're any good at multitasking. Any good at multitasking? I'm not very good at multitasking. I often feel like I struggle to think and breathe at the same time. But maybe, maybe you're better than me at multitasking. Um, I guess half of you have got a good reason to think you're good at multitasking because there's that popular stereotype, isn't there, that women are quite good at multitasking, whereas men, not so much. Ever wondered if that's true? Now, science has been done, apparently. I, I read about it this week. According to Harvard, it turns out men are indeed absolutely horrible at multitasking. But so are women, sorry. Uh, all of us are, apparently, equally terrible at managing to process two things at once. doesn't matter who you are. Uh, multitasking can slow down your brain up to 75%. Uh, which means that all of us, no matter who we are this morning, all of us are going to have to concentrate on this bit of Luke's gospel because we're going to need to do a little bit of multitasking. Uh, Jesus is multitasking in this parable. Jesus tells this parable, he tells this story, and he uses this parable to answer two questions at the same time. Uh, two questions, just one parable, but two questions and two answers at the end. When we get to the two answers at the end, they're going to help us to see Jesus' heart to seek and save the lost. Let's have a look at the two questions. Uh, the two questions get asked by a lawyer or, or a teacher of the law. This guy, is, he's just an expert in Old Testament Jewish law. If, there was a, if he was a contestant on one of those game shows, uh, like Hard Quiz or Mastermind, his specialist topic would be knowing exactly what God wants us to do. He's a smart guy when it comes to Old Testament Jewish law. And he asks Jesus the first question in verse 25. Have a look. A lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? That's a great question. Uh, if, if you're going to ask Jesus a question, that is genuinely a really good one. How do you get eternal life? But Luke points out for us the motives of this lawyer. He's actually testing Jesus. He already knows the answer, at least he thinks he does. He just wants to see if Jesus knows the answer too. But Jesus can see what's going on, and so Jesus just flips the question right back at him. Look at verse 26. Jesus said to him, What's written in the law? How do you read it? You're a lawyer, you tell me. And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbour as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You've answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. There's the first question. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Notice that Jesus hasn't answered it yet. 
Uh, the lawyer, in fact, in that little paragraph, answered his own question. And Jesus said, yep, you're right. You've got the Old Testament Jewish law answer. Perfect. But Jesus hasn't given his answer to the question just yet. Thing is, though, the Old Testament Jewish law answer to the question, it's an impossible answer, isn't it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And if you've managed that, then add to that, love your neighbour as yourself. Could any of us honestly say that we've cleared that bar for eternal life? Could anyone ever honestly say, wholehearted, total soul, complete strength, all of mind, love of God, is even possible? No chance. And then add to that, loving your neighbour as much as you love yourself. Just, just completely outside the realms of possibility. Which leads this lawyer to his second question, which is in verse 29, uh, where it says, desiring to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who's my neighbour? Now notice again, Luke points out the motives behind the question. He wants to justify himself. Because this lawyer, he's realised that if Loving his neighbour is a requirement for eternal life. Well, he wants to know how few people he can get away with loving. Like, what's the bare minimum that he has to be able to manage? If he has to love his neighbour, he, he wants to shrink that definition of neighbour down to the smallest possible circle of people so that he's at least got some sort of fighting chance. Who's my neighbour? Who do I have to love? There's the two questions. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And who's my neighbour? And Jesus answers those two questions at the same time with one parable. It starts in verse 30. Have a look at it, verse 30. Uh, Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and left him leaving him half dead. Let's pause there because here's an important thing to notice. The lawyer's first question is about how to get eternal life. Jesus starts a story with a man who desperately, desperately needs life. The first character we meet in this story, he's half dead. He's lying naked in the dirt in a pool of his own blood. Jesus is inviting the lawyer to put himself in the shoes of this man left for dead. Because they're both asking the same question, aren't they? How can I live? Let's see what happens. Verse 31. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. A priest and a Levite. Now, if you're a teacher of the law, these guys are your mates because these guys are also teachers of the law. They are the priests, you know, they do the sacrifices in the temple that the Old Testament law requires. These two guys, the priest and the Levite, they are his crowd. But they walk by 
on the other side of the road. And it's not just that they're being heartless, although they are, but it's not just that they're being heartless, because according to that Jewish law, if they were to touch him, the man beaten by the side of the road, they become unclean according to the law. Uh, even worse, if they went over and, and touched him and discovered that actually he was already dead, they'd be unclean for an entire week. So they just leave him. But of course, the law that says if they touch him, they'll be unclean is the exact same law that says love your neighbour. That was the second question, wasn't it? Who's my neighbour? Clearly, this priest and this Levite, they have got a very, very narrow view of who falls into the category of neighbour. And so they don't stop to save this man dying on the side of the road. Then someone else comes along the road. Verse 33, have a look. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend... I'll repay you when I come back. This is a surprising turn, firstly because Jews and Samaritans hated each other, just absolutely despised each other. In fact, we noticed some of the tension between Jews and Samaritans in what we read just last week. But, but this Samaritan, he's compassionate and he's kind. Using wine to disinfect his wounds, he patches him up food, somewhere to stay, all at his own expense. He is overwhelmingly selfless and generous. And that's it. That's, that's where the parable ends. Did you notice that it gives us two answers to the two questions? Firstly, it shows the lawyer exactly how he can have eternal life. The answer to that question, how shall I inherit eternal life? He needs a rescuer. He is like that half-dead man on the side of the road, desperate for life. And the, the superstars of keeping the Old Testament law, they couldn't save him. That's, that's really bad news for this lawyer who really wants to have eternal life by keeping the law. It's showing him that it is impossible to have life by keeping the law. He needs someone to come along and rescue him. He needs someone who has compassion, someone who is overwhelmingly generous, someone who can pay the price to bring him back to life, someone who would do that even for his enemies. He needs Jesus. Now, after he'd asked that first question, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And after he'd heard the, his own Old Testament Jewish law answer, how impossible it is to love God with all your heart, all your soul, strength and mind. After that, if rather than trying to justify himself, if instead of trying to justify himself, he, he had asked Jesus, what if I haven't done that? What if I can't love God that way? What if, I, what if it's impossible to love my neighbour like I love myself? If he'd asked that, 
Jesus would have told him the good news that's been repeated over and over and over in Luke's gospel. That Jesus has come and Jesus is good news of great joy. And Jesus didn't come for the healthy, but he came for the sick. That Jesus has come to seek and save the lost. And that right now he's actually on his way to go to Jerusalem and die to give his life to save sinners. And he's doing all of that because no one's perfect. Everyone needs a rescuer. Even this lawyer. Jesus came because no amount of doing the right thing and no amount of knowing what the right thing is and no amount of going to church or hanging around with the right kinds of people, none of that is enough to give you eternal life. We all desperately need the mercy and kindness of Jesus. That's the answer to the first question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Just like that man left for dead on the side of the road, this lawyer needs a rescuer. He needs Jesus to save him. But Jesus wants to make sure that he's got two answers to two questions. There is also the second question, who's my neighbour? So have a look at verse 36. Having told the parable, the story, Jesus says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbour to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, you go and do likewise. Who's my neighbour? Well, it was the Samaritan who proved to be his neighbour. The fact that it's a Samaritan who proved to be his neighbour, that's a much, much bigger, a much broader definition of neighbour than I think the lawyer really wanted. It's a definition of neighbour that is so inclusive, it includes not just friends and, and literal neighbours, people who think the same, people who like the same things. It's, it's a definition that even includes people you would usually avoid, people you'd rather not be close to, people you'd prefer not to have to think about and not to have to worry about, people who might even be your enemies. Jesus broadens this definition of neighbour and then he says to the lawyer, you Go and do likewise. And when Jesus says those words, you go and do likewise, it's really helpful for us to remember the context of what's happening here in, in Luke. Remember, Jesus is he's traveling. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's got a very clear mission to seek and save the lost. As he makes his way to Jerusalem, Jesus is explaining his mission. And not only is he explaining his mission, he is recruiting people to join him in his mission. And so when Jesus says to the lawyer, you go and do likewise, he's not just telling the lawyer, off you go and make sure you be nice to Samaritans now. He's actually recruiting the lawyer. He's asking the lawyer to be someone who is involved in rescuing and saving people who need saving. Having that same kind of compassion to his neighbours. Jesus is explaining his mission to the lawyer and showing him his heart to seek and save the lost. And saying to this lawyer, you now go and do likewise. So as we think about this year 
as we think about what it looks like for us to join Jesus on his mission. Here Jesus shows us that his mission is actually all about rescuing people in need. It's all about compassion and kindness and generosity. And once we see how we've been mercifully rescued, like that half-dead man on the side of the road, our role in Jesus' mission is to go and do likewise by inviting our neighbours to be rescued by Jesus. And as for who our neighbours are, well, that's a very, very wide definition. It includes family, it includes friends, it includes literal next-door neighbours, but it also includes the people we'd rather avoid. It includes the people we'd rather not get too close to. It includes people who kind of like for that priest and that Levite, there might be just multiple layers of awkwardness to expressing any kind of love and concern to these people. But they're our neighbour, Jesus says. In the, in the early days of the NDIS, the National Disability Insurance Scheme, um, it was often the case that frameworks and criteria were set up to, to help people with disabilities. Thing is, though, back in those early days, a lot of times hardly anyone ever met the criteria. The, the definitions of what constituted a disability were just too narrow, too small. And so people who should have been helped were left alone and left helpless. And so over the years, over and over, the definitions had to be broadened so that the NDIS could effectively help the people it was designed to help. If we want to be effective in joining Jesus on his mission, our definition of who we're willing to share Jesus with just can't be too small. It can't be too narrow. And rather than shrinking the circle of people who we're willing to share Jesus with down to the smallest possible number, we want to see that through this fictional Samaritan, Jesus has given us a definition of the word neighbour that is big and broad. Because Jesus himself came to show love and mercy to everyone even his enemies. And Jesus treats all people, those who are indifferent to him, those who hate him, he offers the same love and compassion and kindness, generosity and healing and rescue to all. Let's join Jesus in that mission. Let's love our neighbours by inviting anyone, by inviting everyone to discover Jesus. I'll pray. Uh, Father God, thank you so much for meeting our desperate need. Through Jesus' death on the cross, you have given us life. Uh, Father, please give us the broadest possible understanding of who our neighbour is as we go about sharing your love with them. Amen.